Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Luke 24, verse 49. We're going to just go through some scriptures this morning, and I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and uh, specifically, I want to take a look at praying in tongues, what that's all about, and just capture some scriptures here. So if you're taking notes this morning, hopefully you can keep up, but we'll we'll just go where where the Holy Spirit directs us this morning. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, Luke 24, verse 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. I want you to think about for a moment, Jesus has, has been crucified. They've watched, the disciples have watched the crucifixion. They've watched the beating. They've seen Jesus walk into the room uh, through the wall, through the locked doors. They've seen him come in the room. They've spent time with him. They've watched him uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks go through this whole process after the resurrection and, and teaching, and all of the story, all the things that happened. And now Jesus is saying to them, hey, fellas, it's not over yet. And, and you have to, if you look at Acts chapter 1, you kind of capture this with the disciples. They're, they're looking for Jesus to be the man who's going to conquer the Roman Empire. They're ready for Jesus to be king. And they're not, they're not waiting for Jesus to tell them, wait for the promise of the Father in Jerusalem. Go, go back and wait. That's not what they were wanting to hear. What they wanted to hear was, I'm the conquering king. But what he was telling them was, hey, I'm getting ready to go. Remember, I taught you this before my crucifixion. I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm sending someone just like me. In John chapter 14, verse 16, the the word that's used is alos parakletos. I'm I'm sending another person just like me. And he's going to minister. He's going to fill you. He's going to empower you. And so he's telling the disciples here in Luke 24, 49, wait in Jerusalem. You are going to be endued. That word endued is to be clothed with power. You are going to be overshadowed. You're going to be clothed with power from on high. Now, we know what happens in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. But, but I want to fast forward a little bit and talk specifically about tongues and what is tongues. Well, first off, tongues is, is uh, not something that you and I produce. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. I can't teach you how to pray in tongues. Let me just set some ground rules here first about tongues. I can't teach you how to do it, but I can help you receive I can help you step in and allow the Holy Spirit just like it is with salvation. I cannot, I cannot teach you uh, salvation in the sense of this is, okay, you got to do this, 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 and this, and this, and it actually worked for you. It's like Heather was talking about earlier. You can tell me all day long that I'm not supposed to smoke and drink and do all these things, but it means a hill of beans until Jesus comes in the room and sets me free. So I can, I can tell you that salvation is good. I can tell you that tongues is good, but until you receive it, I can't make that happen. I can't make you receive salvation, but I can preach truth. I can tell you about it and tell you about the goodness of the Lord. And the same is true with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, let me just take that a little bit further. Uh, So salvation, we receive by faith. You know, I I don't know. I I never 
saw Jesus. I didn't actually physically see him get crucified. I didn't. I can't. I don't physically see my uh, the blood of Christ applied to my sins. You know, there's a lot of um, things that we talk about when it comes to salvation that I don't. I can't see it in my natural, but I know it not by my mind. I have an understanding by faith. Faith makes the reality of God real to my heart, and the same is true with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can't tell me that it's not real. You're too late, way too late. (laughs) I've experienced it. It's real to me. And so I hope the same is true for you. If it's not, it can be. And so as we take a look at tongues today, uh, let's let's look at some of the scriptures uh, as it relates to speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, what this is all about. So in 1 Corinthians 14, I love this scripture. Paul's talking about speaking in tongues, and he gives us some examples here in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 15 and 18. He says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than y'all. He was Southern. He said to y'all. Now, I love this. Just leave that up on the screen for a moment if we can. He says, I pray with the Spirit, and I pray with my Understanding. What does that mean? I pray in tongues and I pray in my natural. I do both. You know, there's, there's a beautiful ebb and flow that can happen when you pray in the Spirit. When you begin to pray in tongues, your natural man is built up. When you pray in tongues, your, your natural communication, how you pray in the natural, is edified and, and built up. And so I go between the two, and that's what Paul's talking about here. Is I, I, I sing and pray in the Spirit, and I, and I also do it in the natural. There's this beautiful heavenly dance between the two. I, I, you know, I spend time praying, and I spend time singing. You know, this is a great, this is another great picture. We, especially in the modern church, uh, kind of lose this. I will sing with the Spirit. He didn't just sing as we sing the natural songs. He sang natural with the 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 language of men that we understand, understand, but he also sang in the spirit. There was a ebb and flow. It was a, it was a heavenly choir almost. You know, it was like God's directing the song. He captures that if you want to take time to study this a little bit more. In Ephesians 5.18, he, he captures that, that we are to sing spiritual songs. There's, there's this ongoing theme in Paul's teaching that, that we are to both pray with our natural, sing in the natural, and pray and sing in the spirit. So what does that look like? You just begin to pray in tongues. Lord, I worship you and I glorify you. I thank you for your goodness today. Lord, that you're my healer and my deliverer. Now what's happening in that? Uh, what, what happens in those moments? You don't understand what I'm praying in tongues. I don't understand. But I'm built up. I'm edified. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you understand the natural, and I understand the natural. So there's this, there's this spiritual dance. Just as I'm being built up as I pray in the Spirit, I'm being edified by the Spirit as I pray in tongues. And then as I pray in the natural, I'm being built up as I prophesy and speak the word of God over myself. It's not either or both. In the, in the church world today, we try to, we, you know, praying in tongues makes us really uncomfortable. 
So let's regulate it to the back room where people can't feel uncomfortable. And so if we do it at all, it might happen in the back room somewhere. And, and that's not really the design. That's not the scriptural design. It's this, it's this ebb and flow of both. And some people say, well, you know, what about this scripture, that scripture? And, and we begin to take things out of context and what Paul, uh, you know, a lot of times in the Corinthians, a lot of people go to the Corinthians and say, well, you know, aren't we supposed to prophesy? Prophesy is the better gift, all these things. And we pull things out of context. What Paul was dealing with was a very overzealous church. The Corinthian church was very, they would get together and just pray in tongues the whole time. Well, that's not going to do anybody any good. I mean, it's going to build yourself up, but you're going to leave, you're going to leave church saying, well, what did we learn? <laughs> what, what, what did the pastor say? You know, he prayed in tongues a lot, you know. You don't, there's no message, there's no foundation that you understand in the natural. And so there's got to be both. There has to be both. You can't just take one and leave the other, you know, choose the other. So I, I love what Paul says here is that, that I pray with the Spirit and I pray with the understanding. I sing with the Spirit and I sing with the understanding. There's both. In Acts chapter 10, in verse 44 through 46, another great example of this. Uh, while Peter was still speaking these words, I love this. He's at Cornelius' house. Uh, just leave the screen up, that's fine. He's at Cornelius' house. You gotta remember, Cornelius was a devout, the Bible says a devout man. He was a man of the faith. He was well-respected, and he packed his house out with all of these people to hear what? They wanted to hear about Jesus and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is all this all about? And so he packs his house out, and, and Peter goes, and the Bible says that while he was still speaking, Peter was still at the pulpit preaching. Now, again, the modern church, we don't like this too much. Peter, Peter was still preaching, and the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And they, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit while he's preaching. That means while I'm preaching today, God wants to move in your life and do something. Amen? It's not just about hearing good information. Preaching is not just about taking in. That's awesome, but there's more than that. You, you need to have an experience and an encounter with God today, and that's, that's what happened. You know, Edwards talked about this passage of Scripture, and I, I love what he said. You know, people get offended over this, this passage, because they, they feel like, if the preacher's preaching, you got to be quiet, quiet. You can't interrupt. God certainly cannot move while the preacher is preaching. You have to be, you got to hear the man of God. And, and I have to say, I, I grew up uh, in, in with a background that did that. I mean, if there was, if you start, if there was any sort of manifestation of the Spirit in a service, man, the ushers would take you out. We didn't just, we didn't deal with that. If you people were laying on the floor, uh, or anything, any we were we were okay with people falling under the power. But if they were still on, it didn't happen often. But but <laughs> if they were still on the floor when the preacher started preaching, you better pick them up and get them outside. They couldn't stay in the sanctuary. So that's the kind of things I'm talking about. People were so afraid of the Holy Spirit moving on in the preaching. But here's a great example of this. Now it didn't happen all the time. That wasn't the norm. But it did happen. And Peter was preaching, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Here's what Edward said about this. It would be like getting together a group of people to pray for rain, and while you're praying, it begins to rain, and you complain to God that it's raining. <laughs> How silly. 
And so the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard and those of the circumcision, the Gentiles who believed. This was, you have to understand, this, this had happened only to the Jewish people on the day of Pentecost and in their meetings. This had not happened in the Gentile world yet. And so Peter is preaching, and now the Gentiles are experiencing the battle. That's you and me. That's you and I. We started experiencing this wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. And, and as many came with Peter, they were all astonished. <laughs> what is going on? We've seen God do this in our group, in our circle. But whoa, now he's moving on the, the heathen. You know, We've seen God move in our church. But man, those, I didn't expect God to do that with those people. And they were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What a great picture. And so that was at Cornelius' house. And then in Acts 19, I love this. Paul comes, to, Paul comes to Ephesus. How many of you remember when Paul came to Ephesus? It was a, it was a, unique, it was a unique group of people. He was getting challenged. People in the church world didn't like him being there. They rose, they, they were, you know, trying to stir up a ruckus against, uh, against Paul. And uh, he goes and he starts meeting in the hall of Tyrannus. And for eight hours a day, eight hours, Paul is preaching and teaching to these people for two, over two years. Over two years, eight hours a day. Can you imagine being in church for eight hours under and not now now yeah I know what you're thinking you're thinking wow that's you know that's a long time pastor's really long winded all those kind of thoughts but but think about under Paul's ministry for eight hours a day him laying hands on you praying for you teaching you whoa talk about saturation that's what was happening and saturation was taking place and it happened while Paulus Verse 1 was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, he came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So we see that this is subsequent to salvation. This is this receiving of this gift of the Holy Spirit, this prayer language, the baptism, the immersion in the Holy Spirit is subsequent, is secondary to salvation. This, as Heather said, this isn't a heaven or hell issue, but there's something more than just salvation available to you. And he's, he's asking, Paul's asking them, did you receive when you believed? And their response was, we have not so much heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We know about salvation, we know about redemption, but, but we've not heard this about, about the Holy Spirit, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And he said, well, what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. It was John the Baptist. We were baptized for the remission of sins. And Paul said to them, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, I love this, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here are these believers in Ephesus who, who had not even heard about the, the, the fullness of what was to come. They, they had heard John the Baptist's teaching. They were baptized for the, for the baptism of repentance under John the Baptist. Paul baptizes them in water in the name of Jesus under salvation and then says, guess what? You need to receive and lays hands on them and they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, you can look throughout the New Testament and find examples of this. Those are just a couple. Here's what J. Rodman Williams says in Renewal Theology. He said, we may now refer to the nature of speaking in tongues as spiritual utterance. Utterance or speech given by the Holy Spirit through the voices of people. This does not mean that the Holy Spirit did the speaking. Next slide. Rather, they spoke... But the source was what? The Holy Spirit. They spoke. You know, we have this idea that speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to grab your tongue. And, and then, that's not what happens. You know, we've all seen abuses to this, I, I'm sure. And, and that's why I, I know so many people are hesitant to even go down this path in, in church. But We've all seen abuse. I've, I've watched people do, you know, grab people's mouth and praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You name it. We've seen weird things. People grab their mouth and jerk it and shake it. I don't need you to jerk and shake my mouth. I can jerk and shake my mouth plenty. I've, I've got real good at running my mouth. I know, I know how to do that, right? We all know how to run at the mouth. The problem is we need to learn how to stop and listen to the Holy Ghost. Accordingly, the speaking derived from the Holy Spirit was other than usual speech. It was spiritual, pneumatic utterance. It was by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the word that's used in the Greek means the elevated discourse. It was, it was from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a natural language. It was something that was birthed by the Spirit of God. Now, how does that happen? Well, when you receive the baptism into the Holy Spirit, when you let me use this as an example, because Jesus used this word immersion in or baptism in. So let me just use his word here. This immersion. When you get immersed into water, what happens? You go under the water and you get wet. wet. <laughs> I promise this is not hard. This, you know, we'll, we'll keep it real simple. When you get baptized, we immerse you into the water and you get really wet. And I'm, I'm so convinced that every part of you has got to go under that water. I'll look. I'll, when I baptize the people, I'm checking. Are their hands going up? Are their legs? No, you're going under. We're going to push you under. We'll, we'll hold you under. You got to get wet. Make sure you die. <laughs> Not really. That was metaphorically. <laughs> Total metaphor. <laughs> we don't kill people in the baptistry. <laughs> At least not that way. <laughs> All the board members started looking at me and saying, Pastor, no, you can't do that. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> it's birthed by the Holy Spirit. When you get immersed into the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's an outflow, and we see this through tongues. We, and tongues is always, we see consistently in Scripture this evidence, but, but we see other uh, gifts in operation. There's, there is a demonstration of the Spirit's power in an unprecedented way. It's powerful. It's powerful. And so, you know, it's not something that you have to make happen. I can't work up or make tongues happen. You know, I can't make you step into this, but I can show you the way and you have the opportunity to step in, just like being baptized. Uh, the Apostolic Faith newspaper, dear in Azusa Street, I love this. Azusa Street, the power of God now has the city agitated as never before. <laughs> Los Angeles was turned upside down. I think, I think I can relate to that. <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've, maybe not on the scale that they did, but I, I've experienced a little bit of this. 
The power of God has agitated the city as never before. Pentecost has surely come, and with it, the Bible evidences are falling. Following. They're falling. They're following something. They're happening. Many being converted and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues as they did on the day of Pentecost. The scenes that are daily enacted in the building on Azusa Street and at the mission and churches in other parts of the city are beyond description. The real revival has only started as God has been working with his children mostly, getting them through to Pentecost and laying the foundation for a mighty wave of salvation among the unconverted. Wow, what a picture. You know, here at Azusa Street, this is just a great example of what, what began in the hearts of the believers. It, what took place? One, they had to be reawakened to the reality of their redemption. A lot of them had grown cold. What was happening is they, were, they had grown lukewarm in their relationship with the Lord. Their, their salvation had, had become a ritual. Sound familiar? They were going through the right motions, but it wasn't a passion. And so they recommitted their lives to Christ. And, and as they did, they heard this message from Seymour about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, and they began to hear the stories of all those that had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and God began to fall in an unusual way. I mean, if you go back and read these stories, it's so powerful what God did at Azusa Street. So another great example of what God does through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So why do we pray in tongues? What is the importance of praying in tongues? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, we find one example of this. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. So here Paul teaches us that when we pray in tongues, we are, it is a restoration of divine communication. We are praying to God. There, our, our mind can be one of the greatest hindrances to our prayers. We don't know how to pray. You know, Paul teaches us in Romans that we don't know how to pray. Or we have, James says, we pray according to our own desires and we ask amiss. So there's this constant struggle in our natural selves that we, we don't know how to communicate with God like we should. And God calls us to come boldly before his throne. So, so we need help. If we're going to communicate with God, we need, some, we need some help. And so one of the ways that he helps us in this is that we pray in the spirit. It's a restoration of divine communication. Now, I want you to think about, if you go back to the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, um, what happened? They, were, they had one language. And they had, one, they had committed to this one mission. They were going to build a tower. And God came down and confused their languages. What happened in Acts chapter 2 is a divine reversal of what happened in Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, God confused it, but in Acts chapter 2, he brought it together under the Holy Spirit. They were all speaking a unified language called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the the praying in tongues. And now they, they were operating in unity. There was a divine, supernatural unity that came as they prayed in the Spirit. Jude chapter 1 talks about this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. The love of God brings us into unity with one another. Now, that's a supernatural. You look at Acts chapter 2, it says that they were all in one accord. They were all in one place. They were all in unity. That is a miracle. (laughs) 
to get a get 120 people together in unity is a divine miracle. How did that happen? It was under the orchestration, the direction of the Holy Spirit. And as they began to pray in tongues, God took what was out of order. Think about the 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 striving, the fear, the, you know, Jesus just ascended. We're hiding out. They're still, do they want to kill us? What's going on? He just told us we're going out into the world. What is happening? Ever felt that way in your spiritual life where God was just doing a bunch of different things and you're just like, God, how does all this fit together? Well, as they began to pray in the Spirit, all of the things that had been spoken by Jesus, all the direction he had given to them, all that had been said now started to make sense. Praying in the Spirit, they were building themselves up in the love of God. They began to understand what Jesus had been talking about all this time. Amen. So it's a restoration of divine communication. It brings unity. It brings fellowship. When we pray in the Spirit, you know, have you ever been in a, in a prayer time or service as we begin to pray in the Spirit? This morning is a great example. As we're praying in the Spirit, the, just the unity that comes, and you can say, it's like God begins to knit your heart together with your brothers and sisters. That's what happens. We pray in tongues. We pray in the Spirit together, and God begins to knit us together. It's a divine, supernatural unity that happens. I, I can't explain how God does it. You know, I can't see it with my natural. I can't touch it with my hands, but I watch it happen. I watch as people begin to pray in the Spirit as God brings supernatural unity among a body. It's so powerful. If you feel that you're uh, uh, having struggles, you know, miscommunication in your marriage or miscommunication in your family, people aren't getting you, understanding you, or things are off, maybe you're offended with somebody in the church, get a hold of that person and pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit together until there's God knits your heart together. You You would be amazed at the revelation that God will give you when, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, all of a sudden you're turning off your natural mind trying to figure out how do I fix my marriage, how do I fix my family member, how do I not be offended. You've got your brain out of the way, and now you can actually listen to what God wants to say. You're praying the will of God, you're praying in the Spirit, and He's revealing Himself to you as you do that. It's awesome. So there's, there's unity that comes as we pray in the Spirit. Jude also says here in verse 20, that you build yourselves up in your holy faith, praying in the Spirit. So as we pray in tongues, we're edifying, we're building ourselves up. I don't know about you, but life is filled with enough garbage to cause me to not believe. There's a, there's a lot of issues out there. There's a lot of, the world is riddled with unbelief. And there's enough out there that if we're not careful... We can be sucked in to this doubt and fear and unbelief. But what Jude is saying here is that we can pray in the Spirit and build ourselves up. We can edify ourselves. We can edify ourselves in love and in faith as we pray in tongues. Wow, that's powerful. Is that if I am finding myself uncertain or unsure, I can begin to pray in tongues. And, and faith will begin to arise on the inside of me. We, we talk about, you got to 
Sometimes you've got to pray in tongues until you sense the glory. You know, sometimes you get in a place where, you, you know, you can't feel God. You don't sense his presence. You don't know his, he's even standing right beside you. You couldn't even feel him. The word of God doesn't seem alive to you. You don't know how to pray or what to pray. Begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in tongues. And at first, it might seem a little rocky. Some of you this morning, you may have not prayed in the spirit in a really long time. And as we're talking about this, this morning, and, and, and in a moment, you're gonna, we're all going to pray in the spirit together. And as you do that, it might seem, wow, this is this is really rocky. It feels like I haven't done this in a while. And, 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 you know, as you begin to do it, though, it's like digging a well. And the more that you pray in the Spirit, eventually you're going to hit something. Faith, it's that building up. It's, the, it's brick upon brick. It's layer upon layer. And eventually, as you do that, the awareness of God is going to come in your life. So we pray in the Spirit because it builds ourselves up. We build ourselves up in our faith. 1 Corinthians 14.4, Paul echoes this. He says, one who speaks in tongues edifies himself. So as you begin to pray in the Spirit, God brings heavenly realities in focus for you. As you begin to pray in the Spirit, the, God brings the heavenly awareness of what He's doing, what He's saying, what He's speaking. In Romans 8, 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, you've heard me preach this and teach this before, but that word helps is the Greek word sunantilambanamide, that the Holy Spirit comes and he works with us. He wrestles with us. And what is the, what's the wrestling all about? We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to do. We have weakness. And so the Holy Spirit comes, and as we pray in the Spirit, he's helping you, helping me in our weakness. So... Let's just pause for a moment this morning as, and just lift your hands with me as we just begin to pray. I want you to just pray in the Spirit with me this morning. If you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we need help this morning. I don't know about you, but I need help. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, see, just that, just that moment, just that moment, you just become aware of his goodness. He begins to help you in your weakness. He begins to, he get, he begins to pray through you. He begins to pray through you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's awesome. It's powerful. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit begins to pray through you and equip you. In verse 27 of Romans 8, 26, it says that he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? <coughs> What's it say? According to the will of God. When you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit is praying through you the will of the Father, which is powerful. Amen. When I don't know what to pray or how to pray, 
The Holy Spirit prays through me, prays the will of the Father. I open my mouth. Think about this. The most unruly part of your body is your... That's what James said. James says like a rudder on a ship. One of the comparisons is a rudder on a ship. And that little rudder controls what? The whole course, the whole direction of that ship. When you yield your mouth to the Holy Spirit and you begin to pray in the Spirit, it's directing the course of your life. You're aligning your ship, aligning your life with the perfect will of God. Now, I want you to think about this. If you stopped complaining and start, stopped griping or gossiping or lying or fighting and spent all that time praying in the Spirit, what do you think your life would look like? You have exactly what you say you have. I'm, I'm so sad. I'm so... Whatever. Fill in, fill in the gap. You have exactly what... But if you begin to pray in the Spirit... You're praying the will of God and you're speaking his direction into your life. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. I'll encourage myself in the Lord. <laughs> the Spirit reveals to us the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 2. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So as you begin to pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit begins his revealing work. He begins to reveal to you the, the plan of God, the wisdom of God, direction. It's so powerful. You know, I know in the natural it's hard to understand this, but when you begin to silence yourself and quiet your soul, we're so, we're so soul-driven these days. We, we, we're so all about our emotions and our will and what we want. And we're so soulish, you know, in our, in our world. If you can just begin to quiet your soul down and begin to silence that and begin to align that with the Word of God, what would your life look like? And praying in the Spirit, once you've quieted your soul down and you're praying in the Spirit, God begins to speak. Not only is He praying through you, but you begin to have revelation in your soul. You begin to have revelation from God about what you need to do in a situation. Or, or maybe God begins to speak to you about your calling and direction in life or maybe about your career. But He will begin to reveal to you things that you wouldn't ordinarily know. You wouldn't have known or had that wisdom or understanding on your own. God gives you supernatural insight. God gives you his wisdom. So the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to us as we pray in tongues. The Bible says that praying in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, praying in tongues is a sign to the unbelievers. Now, this is, this is interesting. Because the very thing that we try to put out of the church is the very thing that God wants in the church. <laughs> right? The very, the very thing we get uncomfortable with is the very thing that God says, how many of you believe people need to get born again? There's a few of you that don't have your hands raised. I'm concerned for you. <clears throat> we'll have a salvation altar call in a minute. Of course we believe that. Well, the Holy Spirit is a sign to the unbelievers. In 1 Corinthians 14, 22, it says, therefore tongues are a sign 
Not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. Why? Because the, we understand as believers, this is the work of God. But the unbelievers see it, and, they, and it's a sign to them. This is God. God is here. And you say, well, pastor, I've, I've seen people get weird with this. I've seen, I've seen weird things with the... Yeah. Tell me a doctrine that somebody has not gotten weird with. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, any of them. Just because people get weird with something or abuse something does not release me from its reality. Please do not do an injustice to a truth by not addressing it. It is still very much a truth. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is real whether people say, you know, whatever they say. Healing, divine healing is real. Salvation is real. The, the doctrines of the Word of God are real. I had somebody tell me one time, well, pastor, you know, when you talk about praying in tongues, and they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, they said, when you talk about praying in tongues, I feel like I'm left out because I haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, so I feel really uncomfortable. So I don't, you know, basically they were telling me they didn't think I should be preaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit because they didn't have it, and it made them uncomfortable. And I said, if I didn't preach salvation because there was a sinner in the room and it made them feel uncomfortable, would that release me from my responsibility? <laughs> So if you've not received something, and I'm preaching about something today that you haven't received, don't feel uncomfortable like you're the, you're the out and everybody else is the in. I, w- I need more myself. <laughs> I, I, have, I certainly have not reached perfection. You can ask my wife. So I need the Holy Spirit. I need more. I need to have. That's what Paul taught us in Ephesians 5. He said, keep drinking. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep having, I don't, uh, just be being filled. I'll just say that. Be being filled. You know, people, it's funny. Can I I just pause on this for a moment in Ephesians 5? I love this. You know, people who, who, how do I say this? (laughs) People who imbib on on the natural wine. And the natural drink. What happens? You, you, you have too much. You drink in. And what happens? You get intoxicated, right? <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Paul brings a comparison, Ephesians 5, about being intoxicated. We see it in Acts chapter 2. They thought they were drunk. And Peter even had to stand up and say, these men are not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's the awesome thing. In the natural... You drink and you get intoxicated and you have a hangover. In the, in the spiritual, you can have a drink and 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 never stop. Matter of fact, the more you drink, the better off you are. <laughs> the more you drink, the better off everybody else around you is. <laughs> So have a drink. It'll do you good. Receiving the Holy Spirit is, is so awesome. And praying in tongues is so powerful. There's, there, there's, there's not an end to this. There's, you don't have to say, well, you got to moderate God. You can only have God in moderation. No, no. You, you have as much as you need and then keep on going. <laughs>
Hallelujah. Praying in the Holy Spirit ministers to our inner man. In Isaiah 28, I love this verse. I I think I've said that with every verse that I've read. (laughs) They're all so good. Isaiah 11, 28, 11 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue. This is Isaiah, Old Testament, prophesying about the coming of the Holy Spirit. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Praying in tongues brings you into a place of rest and refreshing. You know, the the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being like a river. We see this picture in in Revelation about the Holy Spirit flowing in in heaven as as a river. Paul talks about drinking the water from the rock, all of these. We see these continual symbols of, of the water of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's so awesome because, you, you know, if you go out to um, the Cuyahoga River and you, you get your little canoe or your raft or whatever you're going to go down the river on, every, I think this is getting ready to start if it hasn't already, summertime, all that stuff. You get on that river, you get in your boat, and you just go, what happens? You just get on that thing, and that water carries you down the rapids, right? Now, it it can get rough and rocky in some places. It can be smooth in some places, but the water carries you. The Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, is like getting out on that river, giving out on, on, on a river, and just letting him carry you into the very promises and blessing, all the fullness of God. It's just, it's transportation for your soul. You just begin to pray in the spirit. You just begin to step out and he brings you into a place of rest and refreshing and renewal. He'll bring you into a place of joy. My goodness, some of you look like you need it this morning. He'll bring you into a place of joy and delight in God. In James chapter three, verse two, it says, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in his word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. We talked about this earlier, but praying in the Spirit controls our tongue. It's a, it's a method of controlling your... Pray in tongues. If you find yourself in a situation that you shouldn't be in, pray in the Spirit. If you're watching something on the computer you shouldn't be watching, pray in tongues. If you're being tempted... Pray in tongues. If you want to pick up that cigarette, pray in tongues. Really hard to pray in tongues and smoke. This is kind of hard. <laughs> if you got anger rising up in your heart, pray in the spirit. One of the things that one of the worship team, why don't you all come back? One of the things that, you know, people often will say, especially if you've been in church for a while, I'll hear this, more so from people that have been around church for a while. Well, you know, isn't that, you know, being in the, isn't that kind of fleshly? That's not really praying in the spirit because you're, you're making yourself pray and talk. No. No, it's telling yourself, I'm going to cross over. I'm going to get out of my flesh and I'm going to live in the spirit. There's no difference in, in that then telling yourself, self, shut up. Stop talking. Stop saying those things. And instead, you're going to take it a step further and say, self, be quiet. You don't need to be saying those things, but instead, you're going to pray in the Spirit. 
self instead of doing that. And what happens? All of a sudden, you, just, you discover a delight in God that no tongue can begin to tell. It takes a supernatural language to begin to describe the delight you find. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, it's only, only that heavenly language can really describe the joy and the delight that, that is beyond expression. So, I, I, you know, y'all can play. Otherwise, I'm going to keep going. You know, it's, this gift is for you. Praying in tongues is for you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for you. And I want to encourage you, if there's anything, I, I hope that you get out of this. It's more than just head knowledge. And I, and I hope that I'm answering some questions as we go along and giving you understanding. But more than understanding, like Paul said, I pray that, that more than just understanding by the words that I'm saying, I hope that you have an experience of the fullness of God. I want you to have an experience of his fullness. Not just salvation. Salvation is great. And I, and I want you to be born again too. But, but more than that, there's more than salvation. There's more available. That's, that's the step. Salvation is the step into a whole new kingdom. But once you get inside the, you know, it's like walking into a castle. Once you get inside the gate, there's so much inside. And it, when you step into the kingdom of heaven, it's, salvation is just coming through the gate. But then there's so much more available. And the Holy Spirit makes that accessible to you. He's like your personal tour guide. He meets you at the gate and says, let's go, buddy and wants to walk you through everything. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, you know, but he comes and he wants to bring you into all the fullness of God. And one of the ways that he does that is through this precious, precious gift, the baptism, the immersion into the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.